0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner. I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Ooh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we're joined by top historians. That's your Dead to Me with new episodes every Friday. Johnny, good, isn't it? ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com
1: We are live. All right. Oh, my word, Johnny. uh, Just for those listening on the podcast, uh, Johnny is on a special weekend away with his wife. He should not be on this podcast. If she goes on the internet, she is going to... She is going to have a problem with you, my friend Johnny. Um, tell us uh, quickly before Matt Candell is joined the stream. Tell us, um, tell us why you've dialed in.
2: Well, it's a it's a fucking it's a fucking big game, isn't it? And I mean, I've got plenty to say. But yeah, you're right. I am. I'm, I'm coming at a Belgian center parts right now, and I'm having it large. I'm on the Duvels. Uh, yeah. Now, if you don't know what a Duvel is, they are very spicy beers, eight and a half percent. Now, in the UK, at the very least you know, you're allowed one beer before you go driving, you know, but um, if that beer is a duvel it's a different kettle of fish, you'll be getting pulled over, the officer goes you've been drinking tonight mate, and you go, oh I've only had one, alright, what was the one? Uh, a duvel, step out of the car please fella, step out of the car Get Yes out.
1: Mirror man, mirror man You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am Mirror man. Good morning, and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion podcast. We are live from New York. We are live from Belgium, and we are live from Missouri, uh, guys. Uh, an absolutely huge win! My heart is going into overdrive right now. Um, how we feeling, Johnny? Going to go to you first because you might
2: get yanked. Uh, yeah. So let's let's let's. Um, are we doing hottest takes now? Is that what you mean? Yeah. We're going to go straight into of...
1: high states today. No messing bang, around. Bang,
2: Right. So um, there's a few things. Number one, I'm going to start with the negatives. And there were negatives today on a day where it is undoubtedly overall a positive one. We have taken charge of matters and things are back into our own hands. However, first of all, here's a little one for you. I'm not being able to hold the camera right there. So let me do that. Here's one for you. I'm done with Nicholas Pepe. Pack your bags, mate. You don't want to be here. Literally, you want to come on? You want to waddle around? Literally, pack your shit up, clear your locker out, find yourself a new club. And I don't care about the Pepe dogs, the Pepe puppy dogs. The guy is mailing it in 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 a crunch game that was absolute dog shit off the bench. I'm sick of it. And the reason why it's even more strikingly obvious how poor it was is because we've seen a guy who had previously been a bench player, previously been a bench warmer who is coming to their team and he's set the world alight. And I tell you what, I tell you what, his name's Eddie Kruger and he's giving everyone nightmares. And I tell <laughs> you, uh, doesn't want any of this. He doesn't want any of that smoke, okay? He, he thought he could have a couple of little touches on these six-yard box. No, no, because the rash is there. The rash is all over you the other, one that you don't want to talk about and he's knocking things in. And it's not just that because, to be honest, it would be an injustice If we didn't talk about how smart his second finish was, we've looked for that clinical edge for for so long. And quite frankly, that Gabby who terrorised them all game um, and, and if we're honest, should have scored off his own back. But that little cutback, we've seen the likes of Lacazette fluff those chances so regularly that we almost don't expect those chances to go in. But he showed, Eddie, showed a clinical edge that we have been starved of. And I was confident heading into this game. I thought we'd beat Leeds. I thought we'd give them a hiding, quite frankly. And the overall negative feeling is that why do we let these teams off the hook? Because the fact is, of course, we should not be fearing a Leeds United team low on confidence, generally shit, and down to 10 men and 2-0 down. We shouldn't be thinking, oh, we better, you know, try and keep it tight. No, kick these guys asses. Because the fact is, is, we could have really started to equalise in terms of the um, goal difference, that the the deficit that we have with with Spurs, so much so that we could have made what is effectively a point difference by the fact that they've got, what, eight goals on us? Um, we could have really... If we gave Leeds 5-0, it would have meant that it would have been in our hands even if we had, you know, even if results transpire over the next few weeks so we end up on level points. But I don't like it when Arsenal play like this. We... Handed the the initiative to them. Yeah, we looked a little bit dangerous at times, but we could have done so much more when we were in possession. This is a poor team, uh, a very poor team, who will do well to stay up. And overall, I I think that in a game where ultimately the result was, was all that matters, and it is all that matters, we still could feel a little bit disappointed with how we set about our task towards the end of the game. But ultimately... It is the result that matters. And now, I think I think we're going to do it. I think top four is there. I think we'll beat Tottenham as well. I think we may well beat them. I don't think we'll lose anymore. The pressure's not on us anymore. And I think we're going to go there. Saka's had a stinker uh, today. He certainly didn't play well. So he's got it out of his system. And I think he goes there and causes Tottenham real, real bother. It's, it's time to start getting really buoyant here, Gooners. Of course, it's going to be nervy on Thursday night. But I think we can do it.
1: Matt Candela, it's going to be very difficult to top Johnny in a pair of sunglasses wandering around in Belgium with a Develle in his hand. But you've got to give it a go, mate. You've got to push it to the next level. You've got to do a big job here. Matt Candela, hit us with the hottest take.
3: What a game. I mean, uh, first of all, no negativity from me. Uh, There's absolutely no criticism of anything. I think it's squeaky bum time, as Fergie would have said. You know, we are at the business end of the season. The only thing that matters is getting the three points. We saw how nervy Liverpool were. Liverpool, yesterday, uh, they, did, they did what they did from the game. And so it was. it was literally all about the three points. Obviously, after the start of the game, when we went two up and they went down to 10 men, we thought it was going to be way easier. And we thought there might be an opportunity for goal difference. But we have to just look at this as a whole weekend and go, listen, we needed Spurs to drop points, and we needed to we needed to pick them up. We wanted to go into the North London derby. People were talking about five points clear. We're four points clear. That's that that's as good as because it means that we on Thursday we can we can lose the game and it can still be in our hands. That's what that was always what it was all about, and we're in that pole position. So really delighted that the result yesterday. Obviously, we wanted more. Obviously, we were disappointed that Spurs actually looked. Pretty decent which was which was a little bit worrying, but also maybe good for us, and then today we did the business, we got it over the line, we took players off, we didn't get any injuries, we didn't get anyone sent off. I was worried about Gabrielle getting sent off and then getting a second yellow and then going into Thursday potentially with no no none of our first choice center halves, so just it's all all good news. We are literally just trying to tick the games off now we've got three left. we're one win away if it's the right win on thursday night away from the holy grail of champions league football on thursday night we can go and do that because of all the hard work today and let's be honest another day we could have scored four or five today it wasn't it it, it was it was there for us but we got it over the line it's a young team it's huge and we'll get into the, the the you know the intricacies of who played well and all of that sort of stuff but it's mission accomplished. That's it. That's all that matters at this stage of the season. That's all the that players. You saw Arteta at the end. He was absolutely delighted with that result. That's five wins, four wins in a row at a really, really, really crucial juncture of the season. That's what it takes. And I think it's just all of this is a learning process. And I'm, you know, I, I lost about five years of, of in those in those last ten minutes. But we did it. We did it. We got it onto Thursday. That's the bottom line.
1: Matt, it's, it's really difficult for me to to not completely echo what you're saying there because it's 100% correct. I think Midwest Gunner, LeGrove OG in the, in the comments with four wins in a row when we needed it. That's the story. That is, that is all that mattered today. I didn't care about the performance. I didn't care about how we got the goals. All we needed was the win. Did we Did we manage the game well in the second half? No. Did nerves kick in? Yes. Did we make some really silly uh, mistakes towards the end that uh, a better team wouldn't have made? I don't know, because uh, I watched Liverpool yesterday play at Anfield after a stunning win against Villarreal in the week. And they choked. They choked under the pressure against the very average Spurs side. And there's no, if Liverpool can't do it, 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 it at Anfield, when there's a league title on the line, why should we expect Arsenal not to suffer um against a a, a lead side regardless of whether it's 10 men leads are going down leads are going to go down they've got chelsea next and then they've got brighton they they had to they had to do something and you know just there's an element of luck in it like that wasn't like a a nervy game where you get absolutely battered leads scored their one shot and they scored it feels like a bit it feels like the story of our last two months opposition teams come to the emirates and score virtually nothing but um but we saw it out and uh, those young players will be better for that experience. I am absolutely 100% sure Arteta was not happy with the last 20 minutes because who would be, but it doesn't matter because now we go into Spurs and we have to ask, we, we're asking very interesting psychological questions of Spurs because they're playing at home. They know that a historic moment that will live in the memory of fans for a, for a long time could possibly happen in their house uh, and spurs spurs are at their worst when they have to play football. Jurgen Klopp came out yesterday and he says spurs should be doing more for the game of football. He said they might they might have had a they might have had an effective game plan against us, but they're still fifth in the league. Spurs cannot play like that against Arsenal and Arteta can go there, sit, sit with a deep block and just pick them off. So it's, we've completely changed the dynamic of the game. Spurs will be nervy against Arsenal. I think Arsenal, even though that last 20 minutes was difficult, I think we'll have a lot of confidence going into that game. But overall, the message is clear. This team is the real deal from a mentality perspective because they've seen out another result. They've, they've won uh, four really difficult games under an intense amount of pressure. And all we wanted, Matt, was a cup final going into Thursday. When we were talking about you know, the the objective is to make the Thursday night game a cup final. We were very specific. I w- I would have been happy if we if we were two points behind going into Thursday. It's not even a cup final now. We're four points up. It's a group stage game. We just got to get through it unscathed. Uh, if we can get a, if we can get a point, we need to win one more game. If we win, we qualify for the Champions League. It's it's an unbelievable position to be in, and. Um, You know, we'll get into the table a little bit later. 66 points, which we're on right now, qualified for the Champions League last year. 67 points got third last year. United finished second and they won 21 games. We've won 21 games. This is a powerful season. I don't want to read people saying this is a bad top four race. This is going to be a high points top four race this season. And we are right in the mixer with the youngest league in the Premier League. It is a majestic day for the Arsenal. Okay, so we're going to move straight into um, uh, my agenda piece. Uh, King Eddie does it again. We said, I I, I said in January, if you're going to roll with two strikers, you've got to give Eddie a run of games. Arteta didn't. The only reason that King Eddie is in the side right now is because Lacazette got COVID. Um, Young players need to take their chances. Eddie complained that getting nine minutes isn't enough for a young player. I think it is clear to everybody right now, Eddie is the real deal. He's a Premier League goal scorer. Matt, give me some, give me some kind words for the man and what he did today. Talk about his goals.
3: Yeah, well, look, we we knew that if we were going to get top four, we're gonna have to find goals from somewhere. We've talked about it on the pod a few months ago. We said somewhere, somehow, Lacazette needs to get 10 goals between now and the end of the season. He got one. He got one, I think. If I mean, I think that was a deflection. Um, so he got one goal and and it was on that hill that Arsenal's top four dreams were going to die. Enter the moment, enter the man, Eddie Nketiah comes in. We were down and out, lost three in a row, away to Chelsea. Uh, it, was, it was the last throw of the dice and Eddie Nketiah uh, was outstanding in that game. The next game against United, he was outstanding again. He scored. Uh, he, he ran the line amazingly against West Ham and then, you know, against his former team who where he didn't get enough of a chance to show his, his talents on loan. He came out, he hurt them. Two goals, two goals that Lacazette is not scoring in a million years. The first one, energy, pressing from the front. People talk about it being calamitous from the goalkeeper, but it's not calamitous if no one's following you up and chasing you down like that in the first couple of minutes. Lacazette wouldn't be there. He wouldn't. He just wouldn't. He doesn't have the fitness. It's too slow. Eddie was there. He's like a rash. Eddie Kruger, as Johnny says, I love that. Eddie Kruger. He's, he's an absolute nightmare to play against. You saw how he got under Declan Rice's skin. He was getting under other people's skin today. He doesn't stop. Um, he seems like a great lad as well. But that 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 first finish was that first finish was was peak Eddie. You'd say that was an Eddie and Kettia special. You know. Uh, and and then the second one, second one, not an easy finish. Coming across. No. Uh, body at a weird angle. Sometimes Somehow I had to sort of contort his body to make good contact. Still has to beat the goalkeeper. Still, he made it look easy. Two goals. Four four goals in this run. He came into the team in April. He's got four goals. What's to bet he doesn't score another on Thursday? What's the bet that he doesn't score the goals that get us over? And I was... We were messaging on our group. Eddie could end up this season with seven to ten goals, having come into the first team in April. Outstanding.
1: He's, he's already got ten goals and assists for the whole season.
3: Outstanding. And, it, unbelievable. and And, you know, he's a, he's a hail-ender. You know, we, we've talked about hail-end productions. We've talked about Smith-Rowe. We've talked about Saka. But wouldn't it be great if we have um, the third musketeer to join those other two? He's, he's, we've, got, we've, we've got to sign him up. We've got to sign him up because um, he's got end product. And end product is the hardest thing to find. Look at Martinelli. I love Gabriel Martinelli. I think he's going to be a world class player. Yeah. I think he's one of our most important players. Doesn't have end product yet. It just doesn't. No. Can, can influence matches, can get free assists, can change the course and direction of games. But he's not getting 20, 20 goals and assists, 15 goals and assists, 10 goals and assists. You know, it's, it's Eddie that's doing it. So it's, we've got, we've got to value that commodity that we've, that we've got. We know he's a gooner. We know he wants to stay. Sign him up. Sign him up. And I know that's, oh, Arsenal fans always overreact. You're all saying he should be gone. We still need someone better. He needs to be part of the team. He's part of the unit. His confidence is high. He is developing at such a pace. Every game, he looks an inch taller. Every game, he looks an inch uh, a second faster. You know, you can see what confidence is doing to him. Why the hell would you not sign him up? He is the fox in the box.
1: He, he is. I, I, think that that's, um, I think that that's absolutely spot on. And it's difficult to, to go bigger than you did on Eddie right there. But um, I've got, I got a few takes on, uh, on Eddie. Firstly, I think that he's just replicating some of the form that he had at the start of the season. Um, he was our best player in preseason. I wrote about it quite extensively. He looked, um, if, you're, if you're listening to the podcast, Matt's just walked out of the room, so I'm talking to myself. Um, Eddie and Nketiah uh, looked strong. He looked focused. He looked fit. Everything I hear about Eddie behind the scenes is that he's a brilliant professional, never complains, turns up on time, uh, you know, just a, just a good guy to have around the training camp. And now he's adding goals and he's on a run. And I think the interesting thing about Eddie, that everyone keeps saying that he's going to leave. I don't know where he's going to go, where he's going to get the money that he needs, where he's going to get the lack of competition. That I don't think he wants right now. I think Eddie Engetia, um is going to sign a new deal at Arsenal. Do you hear that, Matt? What was that? So I think that there's a there's a bit of concern amongst Arsenal fans that Eddie Nketiah isn't going to sign a new deal with Arsenal. Like, if he goes to Brighton, there's going to be competition, and then he's not going to be playing in Europe. If he goes to Palace, he's competing against Edouard. Uh, If he goes to West Ham, he's competing against Antonio. Arsenal, um, I think Eddie wanted a 90 grand a week. I don't think he's getting that in Germany. He's definitely not getting that in Germany. At Arsenal, he's going to be guaranteed games next season. Arteta can't afford not to rotate him into the squad because we'll have Champions League. So we'll definitely get game time next year. He loves Arsenal. The fans are now seeing what a top player he is, and he's delivering. He won't want to move out of London. And I think he'd get more than 90 grand a week. Give him 100 grand a week. That is a young English scorer, 22 years old. There's hardly any 22-year-old strikers uh, in the Premier League. And his stats prove it out. He's not a Joe Willock either. He's been doing this at every single level coming through the ranks. So I think that there's a good chance that Eddie Nketiah is going to sign a new deal. I think Arteta is probably the biggest mistake that he made this season, was not giving him more minutes. Yeah, Eddie's only in the side because of an accident. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better number two striker um, to come into the side next season. And we love the hailenders at Arsenal. And again, this just shows you um, the talent idea amongst Arsenal fans has been atrocious this season. And Eddie Nketiah, and even when he, when he was coming into the side, people were in my feed and they were saying, he's league one. He's league one, not even championship. League one, Eddie. And he's come in, he's proved everybody wrong. That shows incredible mental strength. And this is a guy who's got two months left to go on his deal. He could have just said, fuck you. Fuck you all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play like the Man United players. But he didn't. He's focused. He deserves a new deal. He's delivering. And wouldn't it be delicious? if he did something against Spurs next week?
3: Well, I think anyone who listened to that podcast, I don't know whose podcast it was. I can't remember, but where he was talking. The beautiful game. The beautiful game. All this guy wants to do is play football. That's all he wants to do. You know, we talked about him. It was Augsburg or someone in the Bundesliga and they were offering him the number nine shirt and his eyes lit up. So sign him up. And remember that the thing about contracts is if it doesn't work out in a year, we can sell him. But at the moment, we're getting 5 million or 7 million in a tribunal, I think, max. And what's the point of letting go one of our own on, a five, on, a, on, on, on that deal? Now, obviously, wages is a key piece, because if we give them too much, no, t- no other club is going to want to pick that up. But I think, you know, young English player, loves Arsenal, scores goals. I think he's won the trust. He's won the trust of the fans. He's won the trust of, of Arteta. And make no mistake, if we get Champions League, the main reason that we get Champions League is Eddie and Ketia. That will, be the, that will be the story. We were on our knees. Eddie came in, scored two goals against the runner, play against Chelsea, and turned our season around and kept scoring till the very end. That will be it. It will be him who did it.
1: Yeah. And I want to, like, you know, just going to bring up so one of the comments. We've got Jopper Road. He's always on these uh, shows. Uh, nice to have you on Jopper Road. He said, uh, overreaction. We need an out and out top class striker. Short termism for me. Yes, we are going to sign an additional striker. We're not saying Eddie is the main man next season. Short-termism is looking at a 22-year-old in the setting of the Premier League and saying we should get rid of them. When they've been an England under-21 record goal scorer, they've scored two important goals against Leeds under pressure, two goals against Chelsea, 10 goals and assists for the season. Short-termism is Arsenal fans not understanding the context of a striker in the Premier League. There, there are only – I think there are two strikers that play regularly in the Premier League. Brozier, who are Arsenal fans were all keen on, he scored six goals in the Premier League this season. Fantastic, but six goals. Cucho plays for Watford. He scored five goals. Eddie's got four goals in the Premier League, and he's only been playing well, – this is like his fourth start in a row? It is ridiculous that Arsenal fans wrote him off as hard as they did, and I'm so glad that he's proven people wrong, and I do believe that he's going to sign a new deal at Arsenal – because he's he's got the same agent as Balogun and Saka. How can he not? What you going to go and play in Brighton next season? You, are you kidding me? Who like? Because the, the point of going to Brighton is that you build your profile up to get back to a club like Arsenal. Stay at Arsenal. Sign the I deal. Think, and play and in I the think. That, League. And I think
3: that. And I think that Balogun. I feel if you're him and you you'll you, you'll be watching Balogun at close quarters. And you're going, wait a minute, because what we see now, what we saw when Balogun has come on and played, I think Balagun is a great prospect and I'm really excited he's at Arsenal. He is nowhere near at the level of Eddie Nketiah. Nowhere near ready for Premier League football. He's on the we bench saw that. he's on the bench saw that. at Borough now. And he scored three goals and, it, and we'll look back and say three goals at Borough. The narrative is that's been a successful loan move. You know, he's got used to some football. He's played some football. But, I mean, Eddie, I mean, his pride must have been hurt. Seeing everyone at Arsenal saying, we think the better prospect is Balogun, when he's been ready. He's been ready, been raring to go, but it speaks volumes for his attitude, you know, more than anything. The, the attitude to come in, grab the chance. And, you know, it does feel, Ian Wright used to say, you know, why is this guy, he doesn't look hungry enough, he doesn't want it enough, like trying to get something in his head. And it really feels like, Eddie recognized he was in last chance saloon and didn't want to give up. He wouldn't give up. And um, it's just, just wonderful to, to see.
1: Not yet. There's genuinely nothing more satisfying as a football fan when one of your own takes their chance the way that he does. You know what else I like about his game? And I don't want to make this the, the Eddie Kruger show. It's the swagger. It's that he's getting under other players' skin all the game. It's it's almost like the thing that was detrimental to Arsenal fans believing in him was he's, he is quite expressionless as a player. But the thing that opposition players hate about him is he's shit housing, um, expressionless, and it's annoying. He's really really annoying, and he's um he's he's a very understated striker. The things that he does, and I actually think the. Um, you know when he nicks balls off the goalkeeper, that is that's part of his game. That's something that he's really good at. That's a feature. That's not like a, a, an aberration. Like some people saying that's a very Eddie goal. It is. It's part of what he does, and it's and it is exactly what we couldn't get with Lacazette in the side. So you know um, um,
3: I'm going to make a little uh, a little comparison uh, with a with a striker from yesteryear, not an Arsenal striker, but someone who I think Eddie could become, Andy Cole. Andy Cole. Andy
1: Cole, that's really nice, yeah
3: yeah hangs around in the ex-arsenal, obviously should should never have let him go. Uh, box player, relatively expressionless, always scores goals, and I think, yeah. I think he's got a little bit of the of the Andy Cole about him, and uh, and if he has, he'd be such a nice welcome addition to this team because there aren't many players like that about, and I think um I think that could be I think that could be eddie's Eddie's place. Agreed.
1: Let's um just before we leave this section, I do have um some slides to show you on Eddie, just to sort of give you an overview of um how good he is. This is a small sample set of data from uh, the FBREF um website. Look at those numbers. Non-penalty goals, he's in the 90th percentile. Uh shots total, 79th percentile. Uh, assists, 72nd, expected assists 91st percentile, non-penalty goals and uh, XG assists, 94th percentile. Like, his pressures, He's in the top 88th, tackles, 99th percentile for strikers, interceptions, 70th percentile for strikers. He's not messing around. Even with his progressive passes, uh, he's in the 88th percentile. If somebody said, we've just signed this player from Peru that has numbers like this, We'd be like, this is absolutely incredible. If this if this guy was playing in Serie A or the, the Dutch Premier League, we'd be absolutely salivating over numbers like this. He's doing this in the Premier League and he's been doing it since April. Like, look at that. Why wouldn't you give him a new deal? How can anybody say, how can anybody be saying we need a bigger sample of Eddie Nketiah? Absolutely ridiculous. We need to give him a new deal right away. Okay. So And I think um, that if
3: he and if he gets that new deal, I think that you should get your 10%.
1: Let's look. Let's look at the table while we're sitting here. So we've got the table up, Matt. And the the story of this week is going to be looking behind us at Spurs in fourth. So Spurs are currently on 62 points. Arsenal are on 66. Shouldn't the story of the table be that Chelsea are on 67 points and we're one point behind them now? We're closer to third than we are fourth. Did you expect this after we lost against Southampton?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I thought we were done. I thought we were. It was we were busted flush after that game, and you know, I, I don't think it was. It was. I don't think it was uh, hyperbole either when all the fans had seen what had happened over those three games. You can't lose to Brighton, Southampton, uh, and Crystal Palace in a row at the crunch end of the season and expect to end up achieving your goals. It's just absolutely staggering what's happening. And if this team goes on to achieve what we hope it can achieve and challenge for league titles and Champions Leagues, people will talk about that game at Stamford Bridge as the turning point. They will, because we we were dead and buried, and we, and we and we and we and we and we pulled it pulled it out from the brink. I think this week's going to be really interesting. I still think it's between us and Tottenham, but that was down to the fixtures that Chelsea had. And I think that really it's going to hinge, a lot of it's going to hinge on what happens this week. Because they've got Leeds, uh, Chelsea have got Leeds, on. I think it's Tuesday night. Chelsea and Leeds have always had this weird rivalry considering they're not neighbours or really rivals in, in many ways, going back to the, I think, the 1970 19, 19, uh, FA Cup, I think. Or even before that, they've always always hated each other. So anything can happen. And you know, at Ellen Road, leads need to need to get points against Chelsea, regardless if they're going to stay out. That just has to, it's, 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 it's a mandatory. They've got to dust themselves off and pick them up. I think Chelsea will win, because I think they've got too much quality. But if they don't, suddenly the whole race, I think, is is thrown wide open. Because I think that Spurs will look at that and say, you know, maybe there's a chance that that Arsenal and Tottenham could 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 go through, but I I, I don't think so. I think
1: you just have to. Look,
3: I think you I think one of the best ways of understanding impartially who is likely to get top four comes from the bookies because the bookies don't let emotion come into it, and they still think that Chelsea are ninety seven percent likely to get top four, and they think that we are seventy one percent likely to get top four. And they think Tottenham are 20-something percent likely to get top four. And I think, you know, that is a scientific, uh, relatively scientific uh, approach to to what they think. That could easily change this week. But, you know, I think I I still think those seem like the fairest, fairest odds. And I still think it's between us and Tottenham. um, And I still think that... uh, Thursday night is, 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 is it's crucial, but not as crucial as it would have been if we hadn't got three points today. You know, the the crazy thing about the Premier
1: League right now Arsenal are bottom of the top seven for goals scored, still. Bottom of the top seven. You put a, uh, well, you, if you have an Eddie in there all season and uh, uh, an Oshiman. Next season, like we are, we are going to the we're going to the moon. So let's um, let's refocus. Let's get out of this slideshow. I want to talk about um, a player who's done an exceptional job since he's come back in the team, and I want to talk about his contract as well. Pyramid Pirlo. Mo El has come into this side seamlessly, and what I love about him is his game is not the same game that it was last September. He was he's he's got more verticality in his game. Um, he's more ambitious with his passing. I think he looks focused. He's been doing a fantastic job. Um, is With with funds looking tight in the summer, do you let him go on a free transfer or do you think he's done enough to prove that he's a trustworthy addition in the Arsenal squad next season? Am I letting emotion get the better of me here? Am I seeing a player that's doing a fantastic job and a player that loves the Arsenal, would sign a deal if we put it in front of him tomorrow? Matt Candela, Mo what do you think?
3: Look, I saw Jopper Rhodes saying, no, 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 come on, no new contract. And uh, and it, it's insane. I feel like we are as Arsenal fans just keep, we're, 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 we're crazy. We keep on um, repeating the same mistakes that we always do. However, <laughs> however, he's been absolutely outstanding. Some of his passing today was brilliant and we're going to have to play a lot more games next season. We just are. And we're going to need to manage our squad a lot better. And, you know, on a bad day, you can say, you know, to, to, we've we we, we, we played one game a season, one game a week all season. So I think it really comes down to squad management. I don't think we can sign El Elneny and say, um, we've signed El Elneny and he's going to be a solid player who can give us 25 games next season. I think it's a case of maybe we don't. Instead of needing to sign two midfielders, we can spend more money on signing one and then keep El Nenny. I think it's that type of of squad management that we need. We can't expect El Nenny to to be a to be a regular starter. But
1: I don't you know, think the player expects it either. He said, "I you know I just want to be a part of it."
3: Yeah, it's a bit John, mean,
1: it's a bit John O'Shea like. Yeah, you, know, you don't. You, not everyone can be a superstar. And you know the other thing, Matt. I think we all thought Charlie Patino was going to be breaking breaking into the first team this season. It hasn't happened. I think we've had a bit of a rude awakening to the the, the difference between Saka and Emil Smith Rowe and some of the other kids that are coming through the ranks. I don't think you know Charlie Patino probably needs a loan next season. I, I don't think you I, I don't think you'd go wrong with having Moel Nenny in the squad. I think he's you all you want to do is know that players are improving, and he's well, I improving. Think,
3: Great I attitude. Think, yeah. I think the other thing is I don't know about you, but I always thought of Moel Nenny or the way he'd been positioned in the team is as sort of an all round midfielder, you know like it was he obviously not box to box, but you know we we obviously signed him in a different time when he could play in like a the middle of a four four two or in a four three three but i think that what he's shown now is we we've, we've asked him to do one thing and one thing only we've said break up an attack and pass it to someone you're not you, we don't need you to do anything more than that just do that and i think that's really helped him because i think our expectations rather than go moel neni never passes forward which was the ultimate you know, rebuke of him. It was like, oh, he can't he, sideways mo, only passes sideways, can't pass the ball more than two feet. Right now, we're like, yeah, and that's great. Just keep tackling and passing it two feet back. Keep it moving. That's exactly what we want. Just recycle the ball, pass it to someone else. So I think that we've, I think that we're asking him to do something a lot more specific. And I think that's down to a good system and a good coach. And I think we as fans have just said, yeah, just we don't, we don't need you to be spraying Hollywood passes. We don't need you to be Granite Xhaka. We don't need you to be Thomas Partick. Just be Moel Neni, Just win the ball, work hard, pass it to someone else. That's it. And he's done it. A, so-
1: yeah, we, This there's a great comment from John York. El nenny is the midfield holding. Perfect squad depth, great attitude, needs no ramp-up games to get into form. I think that that's spot on. And you know, I, I, I would normally be in the camp. Sometimes you've just got to make decisions. You've got to cut players free. I think that Lacazette... Love him, but there are there are deep deep deficiencies in his game due to the, you know how old he is and and what he can't do in the system. Um, Mo Nenni has come into the squad and performed against United, Chelsea, West Ham, and Leeds. We won four games on the bounce. If he has a great game against Spurs on Thursday, how could you not give him a new deal? What? Why would? Why would you? Why would you? Try and sign somebody else that would be happy to take 10 appearances a season, would be happy on 65, 70 grand a week, um, and that would have the attitude and the, you know, everything you read about Moel Nini. he looks like a very magnetic personality. He's got you know, this beautiful relationship with his dad where they play football on the beach and he never complains. And you, just, you need some players like that in a squad. And I think to your point, Matt, we're going to be playing Europe next season. We're going to need to lean hard into the squad. And Mo Oneni has shown at the highest level, he can do a very specific job very well.
3: Well, I think there's, 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 there's a couple of points. The first one is, um, I do see some of the comments. Uh, Jopper wrote, listen, you know, we need to have a more centrist view. But, um, and, and I think it is worth looking at what's happened with players. Like, remember, we were all saying Lacazette should get a new contract earlier this year. He put a good run together, you know, and then, and then went completely off the boil. And now, there, I, I don't think you can find an Arsenal fan suggesting that Lacazette gets a new contract now. Not going to happen. Um, so, I do see the, the, the desire to show a little bit of caution when it comes to that. I do see the comment that says, all these players are playing for new contracts. And guess what? They're more up for it. I don't think the on any really fits into that camp. Um, And I think that the other thing is you've got to look at this whole squad. You've got to look at the whole squad makeup. You know, Moel Nenny is more important now because the team is so young. You know, the, when, the, when the average age is 23, we're desperate for a little bit more know-how, a little bit more experience. You just have to have that balance. We saw what not having that balance did to Project Youth 1.0. So now that we're doing 2.0, you've got to take those lessons. So, uh I think we'll see I think I think it's it, it could go either way, and remember that these decisions aren't aren't going to be made in isolation, you know they're going to be made with who's available in the market, who do we sign in midfield because everything needs to be around. We need to balance the books, we need to balance the squad. If we have to overspend to get a midfield target, then maybe taking Moel Nenny's wages off is the way we do it, so he's certainly given himself a really, really really good chance of. Of staying at Arsenal
1: yeah I, I, I think the difference between Lacazette and Moel Nenny is Lacazette doesn't have the things that we need to flourish in the system Moel Nenny has the basics of what we need from a squad player and if he's great with the, the young players if he's got a good attitude and if he's quite happy with the role that he's got at the club uh, I think that he's made a pretty decent case um, for getting added. And it's also not his fault that Arteta didn't rotate him in earlier on in the season as well, right? Arteta's big learning out of this whole thing is if you've got a squad, you need to lean into it. You might, you know, a, a win might turn to a draw um, and a, occasionally a draw might turn to a loss. But if you've got more players fit, more players ready to, to, to put on the shirt um, when they're called upon, you're, you're better off overall.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, just look at Liverpool. I mean, they played Milner, you know, they, they, he's been, he's been back in the team age 36 to, to, to play some crucial games. And, you know, I don't think that Mo Aneni is incapable of playing a James Milner type role for Arsenal.
1: No. I I, I, th- I think you're I think you're exactly right, and um, we we we're losing quite a lot of experience this summer in Lacazette. You know, we don't like the average age of the squad is like twenty three point seven five. Sometimes you've got to keep some older heads around. And Mo Elneny is an experienced international. He's won things at an international level. Uh, he's been all around the world, and I think um, I think I think we should keep him. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad that he, I'm glad that he's performing. So I want
3: to move on to our, our next I mean, subject. I've, but imagine if we could sign a Declan Rice. And then you just say like you sign a Declan Rice who's someone who's durable, who can play 50 games a season. And that's and that, in my opinion, is where you say, Elnani, it's we don't need you. Time to say goodbye.
1: Yeah, but I think I think you still need to have, you know, De- Thomas Party shouldn't be paying 50 games a season. I think that we'll get a, we'll we'll get a Tielemans in midfield, but not everyone can be a Telemann's level of, of of signing, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how Arsenal react this summer and see how ruthless they want to be. But I'm, I've, I, I think it makes sense if you've not got a lot of money to have people that want to be there. Um, let's. I move love on G- to-
3: Guna, Guna Jay saying, and then he's not much different to Jorginho. I mean, <laughs> that might be pushing yeah, it. That is <laughs> emotional, but I, I cloak, like. I cloak, like uh, close to the ball on door, Jorginho. But uh, you know, maybe on any could 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 give that a go in the next couple of years. Love it. All right, let's move on to the next topic
1: because this one's really important for the Spurs game. Um, Arteta, I think a few Arsenal fans were like, "Oh, he's got a bit galaxy brain with the fullbacks today." But I think putting um, Tommy Asu at left back was strategic because you cannot have Nuno anywhere near a field where Sun and Kane are. This Thursday, um, I thought Cedric had a pretty poor game at right back. But overall, what did you think about the fullback structure today?
3: Spot on, spot on. Yeah. I think he, I think he had to do it, and I think you can see how the way he played Tavares and he's Tavares doesn't feel like he's been dropped. You know, he played those three crucial games that we won um, against West Ham. He didn't he didn't play very well, but in, in any of them. Uh, if, if, if in all honesty, but he got through them, and I think getting through them is it was just was just important. And we won the games, but like you said, we can't have Nuno Tavares playing away at Spurs. You just can't have it. He could just it could be the worst night of his life. So uh, I think that um, he's obviously. I think the main thing was to say, can can Tommy Yasu play left back? Yes, he can. He's two footed. He can do it. He was. He's so solid there, such a solid player. And then I think it'll be about whether it's Suarez or Ben White at right back uh, on Thursday night. If Ben White's fit, I think he could play right back. Um, he might go three at the back on Thursday night. And match. I think the, he has the, to. We can talk about Spurs system. tactics in a second, but and match the system. But I don't think I think it was just can Tommy give Tommy Yasu a game before Tottenham at left back. That was that was what it was. And then the right back and the way we structure and all the positioning, we, we will we will see how how that that all c- comes to light. But yeah, he, I mean, we had no choice, did we?
1: Yeah, and I thought I thought Tomiyasu looked. Uh, he he's just such a professional. You know, when you sometimes he's like a professional's professional. Just does his job. He's no drama. Technically, really, really sound. Um, I love having height in our fullbacks as well, but I, I thought well, I it was think, another um, good game. And I, think jo- Johnny's, either.
3: I think Johnny said it where he said, you know, the thing about uh, Nuno is, you know, he will be somewhere between a naught and a 10. He yeah. could, like, like he just got no idea. And with Tommy Asa, you can just go eight. He's eight out of 10 every game. You know, you, you, you just, he's just Mr. Consistent. And, uh, and so, yeah, just good to see him play that role on, on the left-hand side. So good, 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 uh, good management from, uh, from Arteta. I mean, it does make you laugh though, wouldn't it? Because if, if we were on a bad run and the team sheet came out and it said, well, well, Nelly's starting in midfield and he's moved Tommy Yasu to left back. We'd all go, oh my God, Arteta's done it again. He's lost the plot. Whereas now off the back of four great wins, we're like, yep, yeah, makes sense. Smart just shows how football can change. So let's, uh, let, let's move into the, the...
1: Let's just quickly talk about the second half before we get into Spurs. The second half wasn't great, and I do have a, a, a bit of a conspiracy theory about why it might not have been as good as we had hoped. Do you think the um, Arteta thought about the second half from an energy conservation perspective? We cantered around in the second half. Like, I, I know that there was a bit of Martinelli cramp, but compared to how you normally have to play against Leeds... Arsenal were firmly, firmly, firmly in second gear right up to the 90th minute. Do you think there was a little eye on the Thursday game, um, or do you just think it was pure nerves? Like, what, what's your take on the on, on the ropey second half?
3: I think there's a few things. I think once we we, we came out of the block so fast, two goals up, they were all over the place. That was an absolutely shocking first 25 minutes from them. They had a man sent off, one of their one of their leaders sent off. So I think we we inherently even though they probably wouldn't admit it felt like it was a it was a bit of you know job done here um we just gotta now like just see it out uh so 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 a little bit of a little bit of complacency probably we all thought it was done you know and then suddenly they scored um out of nothing and then that's when i think the nerves really set in I don't think we really had nerves before then. I thought we could just see it out, maybe get another goal, maybe not. Who cares? 2-0, 3-0. But once that goal went in, it really changed the complexion of the game. And, you know, we, we were very, very, very nervy um, across the board. But, you know, we got over the line. We got Saka off before he could get injured. Or I think it does look like he's been struggling a little bit with fitness the last few games. Um, you know, we heard he was, might miss the West Ham game. He, did, he looked a bit off the beat today, um, so you know a little bit of everything. I, I think I think several things. Little, yeah, nerves. Thought we thought complacency. Them scoring with their only shot, but we got it done. We got it done. We got the job done. We got the job done. So um, the top four race enters the
1: final throws. So oh. we head into the Spurs game. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, it's in their new stadium. It's with a manager who clearly doesn't want to be there. Uh, If I think we need to be clear, Spurs need top four to survive, to move forward, to keep this shitty thing that they've got going on alive for another couple of seasons. Arsenal are in better shape than Spurs. And it's more consequential if they lose, because if they lose and they finish fifth, Conte might go. That will cost a fortune. There'll be huge disruption to the backroom team. There might be an impact on their technical director. Harry Kane might go off the back of it. And they might make another bad managerial decision. But whatever happens, it's a rebuild at Spurs. Um, uh, They cannot have Arsenal winning at their home because it will be a song and it will ruin their fans' life. What do you think... Um, Antonio Conte is going to be thinking heading into this Thursday game because he needs three points. Anything else is a failure. How do you see this happening and do you think this plays into Arteta, Arteta's hand? Because if, if we know anything about Spurs, they are not good with a deep block. What do you think, Matt?
3: Look, I think it's it's really easy to, to overthink it. Uh, the problem that we've got is we're not great at a deep block and and, uh, we're not great at a deep block from minute one either and hitting teams on the counter. I just don't think we haven't kept a clean sheet in seven games. So it's not the best strategy for us in my opinion is to go go in and do that. I thought against Chelsea, that was our attempt. That was how we started, right? Three at the back, um, deep block hit on the counter. We could have conceded six you know it wasn't you didn't go in and go I can really see how we're looking really defensively solid at the beginning of this game we were all over the place first 15 and you worry that the same could happen against Chelsea with that formation and if Kane and Son get in the mood so you know I, I don't want I don't want to overthink it I think we've just got to try and play our regular game which is um, we don't have to do anything gung ho. I don't think they're going to do anything gung ho either. I think, you know, if it's nil nil after seventy minutes, that suits both teams. I really do. I think they'll think they can win it. I think we'll think we can win it or get a point. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. I don't think it's going to play too much into it. I think the biggest thing is the pressure is just a little bit less on us because we know we can lose and still get top four. That is that is the crucial piece. We can just, but you know that they've got more experienced players who are going to manage the pressure a little bit better. I think. I mean, Kane has played in European Championship, so, Saka. But you know him. You're about to say Kane? Kane's won trophies. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. So I don't know. I I'm I'm too nervous to even think about it. It's 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 just gonna it it, it's gonna go on the throw of a dice. The the key thing is whatever. If we don't win it's just about like keeping our heads in the last two games because that newcastle i wish it was everton at home and then newcastle away rather than the other way around but I, I mean i don't think i think the most likely scenario is that you know we need to beat everton on the last day to to win it to win it i can't i think it's going to be very very hard to go and win there on thursday
1: yeah it's there are some simple on paper strategies don't play a high line if you don't need to don't let Harry Kane drop deep into midfield and kind of replicate what Brighton did against them. And, you know, we play a similar system to, 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 Brighton. So I think that we've got to, I think that we've got to manage this game. I think we've got to be sharp. I think it's going to be really difficult for the players to manage their emotions. Cause a lot of those haylenders, they, they, they hate Spurs like we do. They're, they're, they're fans. They're fans of the club which could make it all the more sweeter because if you've know you you've been to plenty of games at White Hart Lane back in the day, having a group of players in the Invincibles that were like, Spurs is the non-negotiable of the season. All bets are off and we're going to smash them. And I would love it if this team could start getting, you know, getting used to loving beating the Spurs. What do you
3: think? Oh, I mean, absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, Saka and Smith-Rowe, pre-Spurs earlier on in the season, were talking about how it was their dream both score against Spurs and they both did the matching knee slides and they had their celebrations all planned out. And, you know, the, the great thing about it is we've got two more players to add to the mix who weren't really part of the team back then. We've got Matt Martinelli, who, who was out sort of favour of favor getting back from that injury. He wasn't part of part of that at the beginning of the season quite so much. And we've got Eddie. Eddie, another hair ender And I think... um I think they'll be up for it. I think they'll be looking forward to it. I think Smith-Rowe is going to start on... Uh, I think Smith-Rowe is, is, is the perfect player to play at Spurs away. The way he knits together. I think he likes games against big teams. I think he'll get the nod ahead of Martinelli. Uh, and, I and, thought Martinelli
1: was so good today, though. I know he didn't finish, and that's the difference between Smith-Rowe and Martinelli, but he ran their fullbacks ragged, and when you've got um, you know, the wing-back system of Conte having that threat in the back of your mind of Martinelli racing in it's behind true. you is quite terrifying. Yeah. So I, I, I wonder whether Martinelli did enough today. I thought he was really, really good.
3: He could. I mean, I remember Smith Row not last season, the season before, when we, when we won uh, at White Hart Lane, just managed to find a lot of space in that sort of left channel. Uh, and I think, you know, he'll, he, he's the kind of player who can find those gaps between the, the wing back and the, and the, and, and the, and the, and the right-sided centre-half And maybe exploit that space a little bit i think he's smart smart on the ball great in possession. so regardless of what the team is i think it's just going to be it's going to be a really interesting matchup i'm really intrigued to see and part of it will be down to ben white's fitness but to see how we how we set ourselves up are we are we we five at the back are we are we four at the back Uh, remember at chelsea we were five at the back and then we changed after 10 minutes to four at the back so um it's just it's just it's just huge but i cannot believe the players are not going to be going for a win there because they will know that there is this is them it's not quite winning the league at whitehart lane but it's 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 in the same family you know we've got to take inspiration from there we've got to get the result and uh and and it would just be a, an, an incredible moment for uh, for the team to clinch fourth at White Hart lane or Shitehar Lane, sorry. Yes, I don't even know what this stadium's called. Does it
1: even have a name these days? It's uh, the the bowl. toilet bowl, I think. The, the toilet, toilet bowl. bowl. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an abs- I think it's going to be a, a an absolutely massive game. I think the players. <laughs> are, I think that's all they've been thinking about this week. People are asking about whether Ben White will be fit. Ben White only tweaked his hamstring, so they have preserved him. I think Ben White in that central defence is going to be key. Because I think he's, you know, I think he's the only person capable of man marking um, Harry Kane. Like he's quick in the tackle. Um, I, I think it's a game built for him, and having him as an outlet is going to be really important. And Ben White's form has been a little bit shaky. You know, he's been carrying other injuries. I, like if we get Ben White fit and ready and raring to go, I think he'll be really up for this game. And then, yeah, Smith Rowe and Saka. Like you feel like that's the right combination, but. I do like the idea of Marcinelli running in behind. I think he'll cause um, nightmares uh, for that Spurs side. And it's all about the first goal in that game. It really oh. is. If you, you get an early goal in an away day in a North London mm-hmm. derby, that is absolutely massive. And then Spurs have to come at you. So I wonder whether we will see a little bit of a replication of the approach that we took to, to the Man United game. Hit them hard. I think I think, be it'll, be, uh,
3: I think it'll be more like the Chelsea game. I think that's that for me is, is 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 going to be more like it, which is uh, more players at the back and then seek to hit them on the counter. But the thing about that Chelsea game is we look like our combinations, our counter-attacks were really, really sharp uh, right from the off that put Chelsea on the back foot. And so what we've got to prove in the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes against Spurs, when we do get the opportunity to counter, that we look dangerous because that will just... They won't know whether to stick or twist. If they, if we just, if, if we can't show that we can be devastating on the counter, then it's going to be a long night.
1: It's um, it's also interesting listening to. Like we'll talk. You know, we've got a couple more topics to go, and then we'll finish out. But uh, Mikel Arteta signed a new deal, and there was a little conversation of him and uh, the, the the manager of the, the the women's team, Jonas. And he said, "We we have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C." that um, we go into with games. And he goes, sometimes I don't tell the players what the plan is until 10 minutes before when I see the opposition. And Because some, sometimes you look at the team sheet and you're like, this is not what he was expecting. And I think that he was probably making a point about David Moyes, who I said, I, I withdrew my support and he, he, he fucked up. The worst fuck up in the Premier League this season was David Moyes going all out against Arsenal because he lost against an 11th place Frankfurt. Could have had a, a Europa League final against Rangers and got into the Champions League, but he tried to do tried to do his son over, tried to kill his son, and it didn't work anyway. Um, but I, I think the um, I think that the idea that Arteta kind of can he's got his team is so intelligent now that they can switch systems mid game. It's almost like NFL where they you know they have they have plays and they can they can switch in and out. Like having that sort of level of of tactical nous is going to be so beneficial for Arsenal. And it's going to be really interesting seeing Arteta up against the manager that some people said Arsenal should have hired. People saying he's a proper manager. Well, we're going to see who the proper manager is on Thursday. We've got a less experienced team, um, but but we are a better team than Spurs. And anybody that thought Conte delivered a tactical masterclass, he put 11 players behind the ball yesterday. There was no masterclass in it. At about two shots on target all game. Harry Kane is not; shouldn't be a strategy, but it is. Um, but Matt, I do want to move on. Like we've got a couple couple more topics before we see at the hour. Um, you've been up and down on Arteta this season. Um, Arteta's been up and down in form over the last um, two years. I wanted to get your take on the new three year deal that Mikel Arteta has signed. Said he got offered the actual contract um, after the Southampton game, uh, as I understand it. He probably was negotiating that way before. Uh, is this good news for the club? Are you nervous? Like, what do you think about uh, Mikel Arteta after going to West Ham away, mingling with the away day fans?
3: I mean, we have to give him a new deal. As simple as that. Um, So um, absolutely the right thing to do. We're on the right track. Uh, We don't know how far he can take us. Um, You've also got to set it up against the backdrop of Pep Guardiola extending, Jürgen Klopp extending, you know that those two pieces of news is not good for us that they, they, they're not they're not good for us because stability at a club is one of the best uh like uh uh indicators of success in many ways not you know it can get stale when it goes too far a la Wenger, but you know stability at a club is a good thing and guardiola and klopp uh are, are the real deal um the one thing you'll say, I heard people saying, oh, we should have waited till we got fourth or this or that. You know, that's like saying, well, Klopp, it should have been, they should have waited to see whether he wins the Champions League or the league because he could just... You know, there is a good chance that Liverpool only win the League Cup this season. <laughs> they lose to Real Madrid, Man City win the league, Chelsea pull it out the bag in the FA Cup, Liverpool, after that majestic season where I think they played the most games it's possible to play, excluding replays, end up just winning the League Cup. But it's not about that, it's about... You know what you see and the progress that's being made. I think uh, Guilhem Balague was saying, you know, inside the club, it's everything has got Arteta's fingerprints on. But I think one of the, the, I think you're right about mentioning the West Ham game. I was there. There is no Arteta out. The fans, the away support. I've been going up to follow Arsenal away, home and away, but away for you know close to twenty years the atmosphere is the best I've ever seen it better, better than the invincible years, better than that. It was there's more togetherness between the team and the fans than there was even then, in my opinion, right now. And I think the other thing is we just seem to be, there was a moment at the beginning of this season. I think it was with with, with Maitland Niles and him putting stuff and on his Instagram. And we were like, why is people getting treated so badly? And we, just felt like there was a PR disaster every single day the one thing about everything at the club now is everything seems to be in harmony you know and that's the old line victory through harmony but I think even just the way we've managed this uh the the sort of North London forever you know we found a song on the internet people liked it he's gone to the training ground it gets played everyone sings along before the game there is the feel-good factors back at Arsenal it's not going to matter whether we get fourth or not fourth. The feel-good factor is back. The worst we can do is fifth. So credit to him. Um, the one watch out is he has shown a relatively consistent ability to, uh, you know, pluck defeat from the jaws of victory sometimes. You know, we can think we're over... with like, That three-game losing streak came out of nowhere. That was what the hell was... Where the hell did that come from? And so... You know, what you don't want is for an Emery-style situation where we don't get fourth and then we have a sticky game or two at the beginning of next season for whatever reason and then it's back to our out. And I think that what that requires is good squad management. I can't remember the last time an Arsenal team was ready for the first game of the season. I don't know why. It's only Arsenal. Every other team seems to get their shit done and get ready. So whatever happens, we can. he has to go into next season raring to go with the team in a good position by day one no, it doesn't matter when the transfer window ends that striker has to be in early you know so you know it's not perfect he's make he's made a lot of mistakes but he's learned from them i think he seems to be well loved and yeah credit credit to michael teta
1: yeah uh, also let's let's give some credit to, to arsenal they, you know, I was looking back on some of the pieces that I wrote in 2017 when we should have hired Arteta and we didn't, and then my sort of like final campaign stump piece about signing him originally. We took a chance on an unknown. Um, it was a strategic decision. We hired somebody that had worked under Pep Guardiola, that Pochettino and Arsene Wenger wanted to hire, that had a really good reputation as a as a world class coach um, behind the scenes, and the 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 deal was. We will give you the platform to succeed. um, And then you stay loyal to us when things start going well. Um, We stayed loyal to Miguel Arteta through some really difficult times that other clubs might have bottled. So I think that Arteta has got to remember that the the fans stayed with him and the club stayed with him. Um, But what we've got is somebody that isn't like, our uh, top four would be great. We've got somebody that's like, no, 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 no. Top four is like step one. We're going for the league and they want to win the league. Um, they want to compete for the league within two seasons. We haven't had ambition like that since 2004, 2005. So we've got standards. We've got culture. We've got a young, likable squad. And I think the, I think the biggest thing that Arteta has done is he's got the fans in the stadium rocking. Did you hear Anfield yesterday? embarrassing the cop was embarrassing yesterday they were worse than the players Arsenal's home fans have been exceptional all season our away fans are back to their absolute best and Arteta has played a massive role in bringing everybody um, on side I'm totally with you the there's just a whole bunch of people that try and pretend that they're business-minded saying Arsenal should have waited what well, wait until he's decent And you've shown that you don't actually have any loyalty. You've shown that the relationship is transactional. That's a stupid way to behave. Uh, We've invested 200 million in him. We've got to see it through. And I am absolutely over the moon. He is, uh, Arteta is the source that I said he was going to be. And one more thing before we uh, leave this section. Uh, People say he's made mistakes. And Arsenal fans always bring up mistakes, like no other manager makes mistakes. Antonio Conte, one of the best managers in the world. He is behind Arsenal, four points behind Arsenal with three with three games to play. Thomas Tuchel, the rock star manager, even I wanted Arsenal to sign, um, but, but way before um, he went to Chelsea. The rock star manager Tuchel is one point behind us with a Champions League winning squad. Who's talking about his mistakes? Arteta has seen of Carlo Ancelotti. He's seen of Jose Mourinho. He's seen of Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer. Like, I don't think there's a better manager for Arsenal and this project and where we are right now in the world that is attainable. I think we've got the best coach. Um, I think he's going to push us on next season. And I'm really excited about what he can do on Thursday night. All right, man. I know that you are having a bit of a nightmare on um, your side. Uh, just before we go, uh, it is uh, it is Mother's Day in America. Um I want to tell everybody, if you've got a mum, get on the phone to her right now. Take her out for dinner because you never know how, how long you're going to have that relationship there. And um, so I hope everybody's having an amazing Mother's Day. Matt, what are you doing for the mother of your child today? And have you spoken to your mum yet? Is your is your mum watching the
3: podcast? Unmute yourself. <laughs> I hope she's watching the po- podcast. I'll be very disappointed if she's not. Uh, the reason that I've been in and out a little bit is because... Uh, the mother of, of, my, of, my, of my daughter is, is out enjoying herself and not assisting with childcare while this podcast is live. So um, hopefully she's enjoying a great Mother's Day. She deserves it. Um, but I've, and, and hopefully Frozen is going to hold until the podcast is over. Uh, we will see. Fantastic. Well, um, uh, mam, mam-like
1: candela. Mam, mum, mam like Candela. I uh, hope you're listening and hope you're enjoying the podcast. To everybody that's got a mother out there, have a fantastic day. And Matt, we're going to be back on the whistle Thursday night. We might even do a Spurs preview this week because it's that
3: big. I think we're going to have to do a preview. We need to, we need to get we rid of it. some of that nervous energy, don't we?
1: Shake it all out the system. Uh, it's a yeah. massive week. Arsenal is about massive games. We could go to Spurs' new ground and we could do something absolutely historic with the youngest team in the Premier League, with the youngest it, manager in the Premier League, something no one expected. It
3: could be St. Tottringham Tot- Day on Thursday. Oh, put it in the diaries.
1: Put it in the diaries. Okay, if you are watching this podcast, and I know we're breaking records today so many people are on watching leaving comments it is such a joy to have so many people tuning in because we know you could be anywhere else thank you for watching if you are listening to this podcast please give us a five-star review on spotify or on itunes leave a nice comment it means the world to us uh, and on that note we'll say ciao for now go and crack yourself open a beer or a non-alcoholic beverage enjoy your sunday and we will be back on thursday for the big one and we'll be back for a few previous out
0: for now now. A cast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner, I'm the host of You're Dead to Me and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia, with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Ooh, I'm a gog. Plus, we have many other lovely historical subjects where we'll we're joined by top historians. That's your dead to me, with new episodes every Friday. Johnny good, isn't it?